They approach the crypt. Meaning? I see Lennox and his small crew of miscreants nearing Deadark, high above the final resting place of the dream I once knew. Deadark? Really? So what, it died right there? <sighs> We've been sitting on this thing all this time. You're saying it didn't fizzle out in space somewhere, but it was deep below Mondrea all along. I blaspheme. Forgive me. To call what rests there now a dream is to vandalize one's soul with aeons of torment. <sighs> Lennox, the deep canyons of Dead Ark. Mm, this is all coming together. The unreachable is reached. The unattainable is attained. And the unbreakable is set free. Do not place any word of worth on his vile domain. His? <sighs> the book has many layers. And a prison and a maze and a riddle and a maze and a prison and a tomb and so on. It is of my own design, unnavigable. And yet he is there, so many years ago, seeking to release the calamity within. But you saw it first, didn't you? The man already has it. He's sipping whiskey and cracks it open daily like it's a damn adventure novel. The impassable layers within the book may still hold true. The darkness within still confined. Dead. But the boy, the poison, the dream guide's disappearance, this is all new and happening so fast. Uh, by now, it's possible Lennox is close to figuring out how to break the final seal. <sighs> this once, I agree. He must not utter such curse aloud, but we cannot interfere. Then we need to prevent that. <sighs> Uh, we gotta reach back in and stop him. We cannot interfere. Damn it. Dreams drift in and out of our conscious realms, dancing, blending fusing themselves to memory until we can no longer ascertain what is real from fabrication. Celestial doors may open to reveal sights of awe, but forebode a dreadful fate for our planet on the brink. This is Mondrea Memories, the Dreamer's Echo podcast. After the memory to hear a special message from the creator of our show, as well as a bonus scene. This memory features mature themes not suitable for younger ears. Listener discretion is advised. Memory 6. Dead Ark. Crypt of the Mondrian Dream. Our approach to the deep trenches below Dead Ark Canyons would be a challenge and slightly delayed yet again. Ms. Renald stressed that reaching the deadliest desert biome of all Mondrea at the right time would be best, just as the sun was rising, narrowly avoiding that bitter desert cold of night and the raging unfiltered sun of day. The theory proposed a small window would be open in less than four hours, 
but before setting a course to the Dead Ark region, Renald insisted we return to Viora's Rage, the devastating water that imprisoned her own precious airship, the Owl Maiden, and that we dock it within the fighter ship deck on the lowest level of the Volt Raven. Retrieving her ship from behind the turbulent falls was no easy task. She passed the helm of the Raven to me and instructed I guide it safely out of the Queen's hidden docks, which, of course, was another illusion, a false wall projected onto a thick northern mountainside. I was to meet her as she flew out of the walls at full speed, but when I arrived I saw only the front edge of her crumpled wings as the waters pounded the owl deep below. I worried it might have shattered apart amongst the sharp rocks beneath the sea. Our two crewmen and I waited, anxiously, helpless aboard the bridge of the finest ship to grace the northern sky. A minute later, her ship emerged, triumphant from the claims of the sea, a gleaming emerald in the moonlight. After docking the owl in the belly of the queen's ship, we sailed high above typical radar as we traversed a route through Fenelian sky. Up to this point, I've managed to stay out of capital sight for nearly an entire day now. I did not plan on breaking that streak. In my arrangements with King Brotley, I assured him I would return by dusk with a comprehensive plan to utilize the remainder of our 30 days with full preparations for our battle with Stelan. I had hoped to acquire new knowledge on how to unify warring Mondrian peoples, avoiding the final battle altogether. The king was well versed on my reports on ancient Mondrian tech the limitless possibility of their forgotten fuel sources, possibilities to unchain us from the realities of the Lunanate depletion. Years of research, but all of it speculation. We truly had no human way of properly staging archaeological sites to uncover what secrets the Deadark region might hold. Sweltering heat during the day, the frigid death at night. Even with proper gear, it was as if some otherworldly force was sealing Dead Ark away all this time, preventing entry, and its effect was almost alien. Witnessing scavengers arrive in Finalian healthcare centers with metal and leather gear parts melted to their flesh, which had nearly collected as a soup boiling the inner sole of their boot. Ugh. Hearing their first-hand accounts of losing fellow Sky Pirates to the Inferno, or releasing records of men frozen alive, preserved throughout the night, only to reawaken to the same fiery fate come mid-morn. I find it rather ironic I had just discovered a hidden hub of piracy in the Northern Hemisphere, seeing as how many pirates find Dead Ark to be quite useful to carry out a death sentence. But I had hoped King Bratley had read the good reports, at least. The tales and theorems that took him to the ancient forests, an unbelievably lush and majestic paradise. After studying climate change patterns in the surrounding areas and honestly all of Mondrea, it is the only viable conclusion. The possibility that Dead Ark had not always been a graveyard and that there was a great unseen force preventing entry into its catacombs below. All I'm left with is the hope that the king would reserve just a bit more time before reassigning the general duties to Miss Torsion. Evie 
is hell-bent on making sure I have zero say on this final battle, and bringing a wall of vengeance to the Stelan opposition. Hmm. Perhaps the king hadn't yet announced the 30 days of preparation to our forces. I, I simply need one more day, my king. One more day. If this bloody key is any indication of the truth, we won't need the remainder. Shall it so gracefully allow me the honor of uncovering the resurgence of dream? We shall all be victorious. Mondrea will be victorious. Come to think of it, I can barely remember my first few moments with this enchanted shard of ancient power. I... I witnessed such cal calamity. And now I'm here, mere hours before I step into a crypt of ancient dream and break that seal. <laughs> ah, I can't believe what I'm saying. This thing is controlling me. How can I allow a simple rock to take hold of my every driving thought? Or is it similar to how effortless it was in persuading Barris to abandon Evie's mission and join our covert crusade? I can barely remember exactly how he and his friend Levi joined Mr. Thatch, Mr. Flick. I fear this thing may be getting the best of me. Uh, maybe some rest will help. Boris and Levi are bunking below. You know, you can get some rest too. No, no rest. They cannot find me. Hey, you alright man? You're kind of vegging. Yo, Captain Ren to General Dono and Nocian grill cakes already. They cannot find me. Hey, snap out of it. You're giving me the frizzies. I must remain awake. Keep flying above the rifts of detection. We die below when we approach the canyon. Soon. Hey man, ancient treasure or not, I know your money's good. Now get some sleep. I got this. Jeesh. No, I cannot. The night... The nightmare. Uh, you okay, Don? <sighs> okay, bud. Suit your damn self. She was right. I had been awake for nearly 24 hours straight. I hadn't washed for longer. My eyelids were weighed down with the dirt of nearly two desert days. With the latest day spent abroad, sailing through the best and worst airs the waters of Mondrea have to offer. As time and dust and gravity dragged my eyes shut, the fear of returning to that dreadful vision kept me fighting to keep them open. What would returning to slumber give me? A second viewing, perhaps? More answers? More questions? This was the first known dream in over a millennium. To return to it would be... Uh, would it even be the same? Maybe I was in it already. The air above the horizon kept pattering against the curved glass, separating the Raven's Bridge from a haze of death and delight. How much longer until we arrive at the canyon's edge? Not much. Moonchild here slept for maybe 15 minutes and hasn't left your side. We have arrived. Already? Had I been asleep? I thought we were at least an hour's flight away from the edge, including ascending and descending to and from stealth altitudes. But sure enough, the ship had jostled about as the bottom hull kissed the waves below, the choppiest they've ever been, shaking this massive tanker. Both lieutenants were back on deck, marveling at the wondrous rock walls that surrounded our panoramic view. 
How long was I out? Did I even shut my eye? Eyes? If those two are back already, looking well rested, then I must have barely drifted off. Where? Oh, but where was the dream? So this is it. Dead Ark. As you can tell, the current's far too sketchy to try and sail through. And a ship this massive just can't slice through the cliff edges without burying us in a rocky grave. We've only got about two and a half hours before the sun comes out to fry us. And you all know, Dead Ark Air ain't too friendly. Yeah, let's not get cooked alive out here. The caves. Below. I know what you're saying. Sea levels continue to drop every few years, and those small caves keep popping up. They lead somewhere below? Many a sailor tried breaching some of those caves. I don't know a single one who has exited in one piece. Talk of carnivorous cave demons? Might be a load of rubbish, but yeah. We could park the owl near one of those. Maybe take a look around? But getting through those tunnels is shit without some kind of map. The catacombs are ancient. Our illuminated one could lead the way. He is well versed in the ways of the ancient. And risk us getting lost or killed? No. We don't have the time or manpower. We need to find the crypt now. It's close. Crypt? Wait, manpower? <clears throat> the treasure crypt. Yeah, yeah. And sure, you could fight our way through whatever monsters await us, well, but... you know, there is another way. Her eyes bounced attentively to the many monitors aboard. Deep below the surface, I see it. Do you not see it, Master? Master... Seriously, Boris. Yeah? Here. The pilot released one hand from the ship's controls and rapidly tapped on the bright green radar screen. You assume that dark spot on the ocean floor map is some ancient sublevel docking system below the canyons? We may attempt entry as an alternate means to access what Dead Ark conceals. Few have tried the dive, and their ships sit on the ocean floor. The vessel's crying out as the metal is crumpled beneath the intense pressure. Can you not feel the souls beneath the drift? It is dark and cold. I... I feel it. Remarkable. Okay, boys, don't get weird. The whole reason we got this hunk of steamship on loan was because I believe it exists. Nearly a mile or so below the deepest point the tide drops. Uh, there. Just under that cave, to the left. Pure darkness. It has to be something. It's a damn glitch on your screen. Well, it's our only shot at passage. We'll be far from the sun come morning. Which is in ten minutes. But the pressure below. Are you sure the ship can take it? Queen Voltura has told stories of actually reaching the Dead Ark treasure. She's the only person alive who's laid human eye on ancient gemstones, bits and baubles, priceless heirlooms lost to time yet untouched by man, and she's walked away from it, thanks to this ship. Let's hope it can hold for one more deep dive. Ah, she's lying. You dare doubt our wonderful, phenomenal queen? She says all she needed was to know it exists. To simply know is power. And lucky for us, she left some no right here. Our window of opportunity knocks. Better decide quick, mister. our descent. Thought you finally fell asleep there for a sec. She geared the ship into position to drop deep into the waters below. 
threw a few switches and released a few levers. Get ready to dive. Boris, take point on the whole status monitor. Uh, Levi, man the engine. Make sure the strain isn't too much for us. Yes, yes. The two men did exactly as they were told. At this point, to defy our captain would be to ask for certain death. She had our lives and our futures in her scratchy, calloused pilot hands. You are listening to Mondrea Memories. William had a tough life, but when it all comes to a sudden and inexplicable end, he realizes nothing could prepare him for what's next. An ex-special forces soldier and a devout Catholic woman perish and expect a typical afterlife. But this afterlife is like nothing ever written in legend, myth, or scripture. Full of gritty, pulse-pounding visuals and powerful, charming characters, the William of Arconia series is available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble in paperback or ebook. You'll plunge not only into a new world, but another plane of existence, Arconia. And in Arconia, the physical limitations of your prior mortal realms no longer bind you. Seek out William of Arconia today. This is Mondrea Memories. She tipped the manual control gears downward, and we all felt it. Inertial dampeners did what they could to compensate for the change in balance, but the sight of the front view being nearly engulfed in the black water still brought a queasiness. No matter, the thought of being this close to unlocking fully realized control over the dream kept my body unwavered. Hold tight, boys! I gripped the safety rails at the front of the bridge. I nearly fell when the ship's nose grazed the underwater cliffs. Sorry, Lars, hold! You're holding strong at 88%, Mr. Nald. Damn it! Sorry, milady. I caught myself wincing slightly when I started to hear the massive ship's walls creaking under the immense pressure. Still, I kept my eyes glued to the monitors and view in front of me. We're nearing operating depth, miss. 140 meters. You might feel a slight tongue at your ears. That's completely normal. Hazel, whose ears were already leaking a stream of blood, pressed a communication button down that signaled an open channel to Levi was three floors below, monitoring the status of the engines that churned through swaying currents. Levi, report! Ma'am, report right Mars disabled! No! Wait! The damn thing's aborted! Well, put it out. Extinguishers on the rail to your right. Right! On it! Miss Renault, nearing maximum operating depth. 1,000 meters. 1,200? Our pressure's holding. My ears and eyes felt like they'd explode several times on the way down. It was loud. If the four of us made it out, we would all be deaf and blind. Oh, show hold. Reach depth. 2,000 meters. Barrage of boom shook the lower levels as we felt the sandy, rocky bottom cradle the Volt Raven's underside. It would seem we reached the trench sooner than expected. The Queen's ship had brought a lot of vengeance to her return trip to Dead Island. Uh, we've hit the bottom too hard. We're stuck. I could see her struggle to engage the full thrusting power needed to release us from the rocks below. Every urging turn and pull of the throttles resulted in the hulls twisting and screaming in more pain. Bars, how are we looking? Hulls at 63 and steadily dropping. The pressure is too much. You can't move her. Damn it. 
I have to take my ship. We must be over a mile below the surface. Can your ship withstand all this? Even the Raven is slowly being crushed down here. We have to try. Look, there! As soon as she pointed through the thick pane of glass that separated us from certain watery death, a solid crack stretched across it. It took us a few seconds to regain composure to actually notice what she was leading our shocked gaze to. Past our inevitable ends, just about 30 meters directly in front of us, the cliffs were pushed inward, revealing a large man-made gateway opening to what may have well been a small, ancient subdog. It's too far. You'll never make it in your glider. <laughs> you challenge me, sir? I'll let 44%, Miss Renault. At this rate, water breach is imminent. Levi! Uh, yes, Captain? Uh, ma'am? Head for the ship bay behind you. Ready the hour. It should still have enough thrust and lift fuel from the last fight I had him. Baris with me. General? Right. Lead on. And lead she did. In all my years of military training, historical and wartime research, even with what little frontline experience I had, I had never actually led a patrol of any size yet. The closest I had been to a battle was the scrimmage simulations during my small stint at Stalon Academy. Before the war, I had seen the front line of the war of the moonlit shard, but it was from a tactician's desk, assisting the late general in Castile weeks before his death. One battle was enough for me to realize war was not the answer Mandrea desires, not the solution it needs. I took as far of a step backward as I could, but still be involved in finding some manner of solace, knowing I could at least try to prevent as much loss of life to our people as possible. It was how I led whatever I could lead. And now, here, at the front line of battle with the ocean's full power, I find myself taking orders, and I am completely fine with placing my trust in this woman, this leader. She has proven herself many times over in the few short hours I've been in her presence. Again, she proves herself once more a true warrior, leading the charge against the clock as the ship fills a watery grave. Whatever treasure that lies behind this force of nature will prove to be justly dignified behind her own forces of leadership, prowess, courage, and contempt for the possibility of failure. This woman is fire, is rage, in its purest form, ready to hold her own against the fortitude of water, an element of creation and utmost destruction. You coming? I hadn't noticed I was staring. I fastened my coat and followed her out as we abandoned the crackling glass and steel behind us. I noticed the bridge doors had a thick, triple-sealed steel plating. I closed it tight and locked the seal. Should the command room be lost, the rest of the ship may be recovered. Somehow. Ah, later thoughts for a later day. Get on board. Don't worry, there's room. The three men hustled close behind our captain. We descended the stairwells quickly, and before we knew it, the door of the Owl Maiden magically sealed behind us. You, uh, I want to take a look at this map. What? What is it? The sap engine's empty. Oh, right. She revealed her third and final vial of refined Lunaeonite from Confine's stash. The first was used to obliterate the guy. The second was used to fill the float and flight engines to full. She knew she might need a third, and she smirked at her own foresight. 
The vial opened with a click, and she carefully sprinkled a bit into the can of pre-made dilutory detransitive tertiary lunaeonite stabilizing solution, and shook it a bit, just a bit, in which a chemical reaction would liquefy and fill the third engine to full in a matter of seconds as she locked the can into place just above the engine. Recapping the vial, she handed the remainder of the lunaeonite rock to me. Hold on to that for me, will ya? I nodded and placed the vial in my pants pocket. Hazel was quick to jumpstart all three of her small ship's engines over. Even the appending strangulation of the ship choked within ship wasn't enough to let her own vessel cower in fear. The flight, float, and submersion engines were all awakened to life with her magic touch. Yep, it's loud. We're gonna need all three. So, how we get out of here? We wait until... Just the right moment. The Volt Raven was fighting hard to stay in one recognizable piece. The ship bay would be the first room to collapse, especially after its underside suffered a deep blow against the seafloor. Hazel knew opening the lower hatch would be no easy task. It would release a million tons of pressurized otherworldly waters into the Raven's hold, shifting her ship off balance, leaving us to all be washed away in the curling smirk of the true face of Mondrian Sea. You see those panels, Dono? I do. They had become quite the show stealers, as the fist-sized bolts holding them together became cannonballs that shred into the floor beneath us. Once those next few bolts loosen, I want you to grab the second wheel. With a cleverly placed slam on the dash, a second, smaller co-pilot steering column revealed itself from below. I've got the thrust, but the bay's facing east. I need you to pull through, up, and back round west with me. One pilot's arms won't be enough to pull the old girl out. I understand. A third bolt blasted free. Remember when I mentioned I suffered from inner dysversia syndrome myself? The fourth bolt released itself from its threaded seat. I do. Was it from doing something like this? A fifth nearly hit our viewport, but Hazel's quick reactions managed to shift the boat ever so slightly so it merely bounced off a crumpled wing. Something very similar. Finally, the sixth and final cannonball had flung off the warped metal, releasing enough flowing water through to start rising around us. Too late to speculate if my disoriented, light-headed, facilitating conscious could handle co-piloting her damaged yet prized ship. We're losing stability here! The landing gear shifted beneath and it was disengaged as it retracted back into the hull. Can't we wait until enough water is in to carry through? Like a boat or sub? Master. We need to blast through the hole. Righto, Smiley! Here it comes! Now! Now, Lily! Push through now! I knew exactly what she was planning. Simply sailing out of a pool of water would not give us enough thrust to push through what would have become an emulation of pure fall strength no less strong. And that would leave two out of three of the owl engines idling. And even with the cabin properly pressurized, it was only temporary. The transition from float to sub would take too long, leaving us crushed beneath the remains of the Queen's tanker. Alternatively, wading into the water filled the bay completely and cruising out in sub mode would not give us the torque needed to blast through the small hull opening. 
and similarly transitions between engines would slow us down. The second we pushed our steering controls through, the roar of all three engines confirmed it. She was playing to route full power, and the remainder of this rock fuels through all three engines at once, turning us into an uncontrollable torpedo of energy, one that could tear through this crinkled outer hull with ease. The second we were free of the folding and ship bay of the damaged Raven, our own hull started giving way. All three engines are at full power. At this rate, we'll run out of fuel before we're crushed to death. Right. This won't work. We pulled straight and up to the left. The owl's cries of pain echoed through the dark, thick waters. We were completely upside down, whizzing past the graveyard of ship parts and rotating in a slow barrel roll of desperation. it. We were through. <laughs> Son of a bitch. She's gonna kill me. We made it through that. And if we ever make it out of here, I'm done. That's it. <laughs> I'm done. What are you talking about? The queen? Oh, her ship. Yeah, you're dead. We were free of both crushed underwater coffins and helplessly floating in a pool of light. Port of redemption, a podium finish for four out of the five challengers of the deep. This was it. The entrance to the crypt below Dedark. Master. The tomb. It was then I remembered the door. cyberpunk comic saga returns with volume 2 on kickstarter this gothic space opera follows hot-tempered axe-wielding zaki as she tracks down spooky an enigmatic alien on the run to recapture her elusive bounty she'll need the frenemies she's found along the way talking dog people hell-bent on revenge galactic club-hopping mercs and sharp-tongued otherworldly beings a violent glittery star-crossed quest Unravel the mystery behind the shadowy organizations who need her target for their own malicious cause. Support the printing of both beautifully hand-drawn volumes August 11th and make this cosmic opus a reality. Early bird rewards will go fast, so capture this killer Kickstarter comic. Binary Star, Volume 2, Cold to the Touch. And the second edition hardcover, Volume 1, The Big Cosmic Joke. Starting August 11th on Kickstarter.com. Binary star. Hunter becomes hunted in the lawless cosmos. This is Mondrea Memories. A flooded chamber miles below the surface of our dying planet. Behind us floated remains of Miserinald's dearest companion. Wings twisted about, hull resembling a battered lantern. How we were to return to the surface was left to the fates. The room ahead filled with the purest oxygen to ever grace our lungs. A newborn sense of enigmatic spectacle and fear filled our heads with every inhale, leaving an imprint of our own, a stain upon this untouched cove with every exhale. It was almost sin being here. 
No human should ever be allowed to wander this hall, let alone approach its gates. Lush, subterranean, bioluminescent flora surrounded our every step and died. To take another would be murder. Every curious lurch forward took the lives of many microorganisms in a sweet, delicious crunch beneath our feet. A slight orange tint illuminated the edges of the room. Small canals of magma framed the floor in a large outlined ellipse. Barras was the first to approach the final steps to the door. Barras, what the hell is wrong with you? Step back! My lord, we are here. The Chamber of Light. Please, I ask of you, open it at once. Free our people, our spirits, from the shackles of doom and unrest. Opportune one. Please, return to my side. I alone will approach the gate. There could be ancient traps adorning the threshold. Damn, I can't believe it. You actually weren't lying. When have I lied to you during this excursion? Hmm. Yeah, there's definitely gotta be something juicy behind there. But how are you gonna open it? I stared in awe at the massive black stone doors, which towered above and met at a point in the center. Between the two, a dark circular hole about eight inches in diameter allowed no light to pass. The rest of the structure reflected light in a way that reminded me of the shard. Two doors about 20 feet tall stood atop a wide platform of etched bedrock, a mere winding ancient stepcase away from that glowing pool behind. Above the door was an even higher noticeable structure, a bright hexagonal ring of orange light which seemed to swirl and mingle with the teal of ocean blue only 20 meters away. I've seen this room before. Where? In your fancy dream? What good's that gonna do you down here? Maybe we should first secure a proper exit before we go any further opening your dream doors, friend. Indeed. Barras, Levi, remain near the ship. See if we can salvage any of it. Repair what you can, if possible. Hey now, she's fine. Look at her. Her left wing, now completely detached, floats to shore. Levi prods at it with the steel tip of his left boot. I don't think we're getting out of here, guys. I... I know the way out. I have seen it. And I'm sincerely sorry for this, my lord. Boris gave a slight bow in my direction and dashed for the stone doors. The opportune one! You dare question my judgment! Return at once! Uh, how did you get that? I knew it. I knew he had it. I gave my coat a quick pat down as he whipped the stone shard from his own pocket, yelled out an ancient curse or name or some unknown incantation babble, and jammed his entire right arm into the hole between the doors where the opening would form. A click. A solid thump of a click. It's... it's locked me in. The mechanism should release the outer doors now. But the only thing that released was a bright orange light that started at the pointed threshold above and slowly lined the center trail completely, engulfing his arm, coating his entire side with a flaming wall of molten rock. It was clear an inner mechanism had trapped his arm, and a thick liquid fire had 
fallen from where the hexagonal ring of light was hung above the doors. This formed a perfect ancient trap, and a wall of fury separating Barris from his arm and several other parts, wherever a stray splash would claim a chunk of his leg or parts of his face. The warmth and screams could be heard throughout the deep water to the surface, maybe even wake the king from his chambers, I was sure of it. <laughs> no, Barris! <gasps> He stole it again. I told you to watch yourself, Dee. To enter. Enter. One must lose oneself. I. I was just doing you a service, my lord. Boris's only friend approached him in a cautious dash to the ancient lava trap. Oh god, oh god, oh god! Oh, Barris! I'm gonna pull you out! I'm gonna pull! We gotta get free of this! Come on! It is... Oh god! Come on, you guys! We gotta help him out! We rushed to aid the soldier helping his fallen comrade out of the wall. The sinews and vessels that remained from his right arm were already sealed and burnt crisp. But he had let go of the mechanism. Whatever was left of his flaming arms slimed out of the hole and hung low at their feet. There was no blood. This liquid fire that spewed forth cauterized and melted his skin, slowly cooking us all as we felt the incinerating heat all around us. We managed to catch the remains of half of Barras before he would have fallen to where a small river of lava flowed outward below, tracking around us and surrounding the hexagonal markings at the center of the ellipse. We patted down through any small flames that formed around him and saw through his ribcage graciously given a few more breaths. His lungs could barely inflate. We were all drenched in sweat, stray skin, and confusion. Why the hell did you do that? Barris, stay with me! Don't you dare! I probably look like you now, lady. He wheezed a final chuckle through the holes of his chest, neck, and face. Come to think of it, the placement of most of his damaged face aligned pretty well with Ms. Renault's own bandages. Think you got any more of those <coughs> bandages? <laughs> uh, Stop talking, you dolt! I am sorry. It was the only way to know God. You must first know the devil. Illuminate. The way is open. Go forth, my champion. Lieutenant Barasanzi Flick of the Finalian Royal Guard. Baris perished that moment with his lifeless eyes staring right at me burning a hole through my mind and present with his last breath of ancient, untouched cavern air. And Lieutenant Victor Levinson Thatch of the Finalian Royal Guard turned his own stare to me as well, but not in reverence for his leader, not in a selfless sacrifice to bring the party further to the truth, but in the purest form of vengeance bequeathed to a man, a soldier's vengeance. What did you do to him, you bastard? He dropped the burning husk of his friend and threw down a solid punch to my chest, but it was stopped 
by Hazel's own clenching grip. Before I had a chance to respond and thank her with a fist of my own lunged at the crying man's face, all fists were halted by a silencing stone thud. We looked over to where Boris's arm had nearly melted away in slop. The wall of lava had receded and only remained in a small moat below of what was now an open passageway. A shard of rock, the last thing Boris ever owned after pickpocketing it from me once more during our underwater escape, was released from the dead man's severed dying grip. And there it rolled away out towards the middle of our platform, wobbling back and forth until stopping stout, as if to point the way to a quick exit. And a weapon. Levi and I rushed to grab the shard, which was now a glowing bright red. But Hazel must have used some acrobatic ability learned during her days touring with a quail feather trip, because she was already in front of us, armed with her steam pistol, blocking our salvation. The small lava track beneath us, between us, forcing sweat to coat all of our brows. What the hell is this thing? <laughs> she leaned back, never wavering her aiming eye, picked up the sharp moon rock, and her face lit up with its painful red. Her gloves were off, taken during our crafty underwater maneuvers. The full length of the shard was concealed behind her cupped hands, but the glow engulfed what was left of her face. The next few seconds must have been hours for her, maybe days. Years. I will never know exactly what she saw when she finally came in contact with the key shard, but her eye slowly faded away to a single glow of red stars, no longer aiming down the gun's sights as it fell into the small flow of lava the second she contacted the rock. We could only watch as both of her hands cradled it in revelation. I... I see... Because as I expected would happen should any human have skin contact with this artifact outside my own hand. I saw it in my own nightmare given on that first night. Levi nearly saw what I saw as I held it close against his throat, but it never fully got to him. Varus may have been completely entranced by its alien glory as it tore him from death's grasp and anointed him as my first follower. He must have seen something far more illustrious as it nearly rewrote his entire being. Or perhaps this piece of mysterious rock simply showed him his innermost crowning desires, the path needed to achieve those desires. From what little we knew of the late Lieutenant Barasanzi Flick, he was quite close with his mission partner, Lieutenant Victor Lemonson Thatch, much to his disdain. It was evident right up to Boris's final breath and Levi's fit of retribution. Perhaps Boris's true desire was to have what Levi never fully gave him, a friend. And after seeing the dream, realized he could find a friend through one final sacrifice to open the door. And a second door opened soon after. The door that was holding Levi back from ever admitting to Boris that what he was seeking was already at his side. His dying side. But what in all existence could it have shown Ms. Renald, Ms. Hazel Renald, as it drove her to leap across a two-foot-wide lava gap and drive the very same shard of desire through Levinson's chest? 
What could she have seen to be forced to murder a man who had barely recovered from death's sting and his own friend? You need to see, child. Ms. Renault. Open your damn eyes. Hazel released the shard at once. She reluctantly complied with her new master's demands, unsheathed the makeshift dagger from within the sternum of this blighted man, and dropped it in my hand. I quickly tried to wipe off the blood from my coat when I noticed there was none. It glowed red once more, and I held it away from the two. Hazel's other hand was holding Levi up by his throat as he choked on his own blood. Then, she awoke from her trance. Why does the light choose pain? Uh, what? What the hell did you do to me? It was not me. It was opportunity. Hazel released the fading pale blue to the cavern floor. He was surrounded by glowing pink, teals, and greens as he joined his friend and ultimately surrendered to his injury. Opportunity? What did it show you? You had me murder him? I did no such thing. Uh, but the shard... The key unlocked so much. I don't, I don't know what I'm seeing right now. It's all a blurry. Uh, uh, oh, my head. What did it show you? I'm so sorry. Levi, Boris, I, I saw their memories, their thoughts, their mission. They've been reporting to their commander, Evela. They couldn't have seen what lies beyond this point. They had to be removed, and they knew that. <sighs> the key opened their doors, and they walked through. You did the right thing, Hazel, Miss Renault. Now tell me everything. What else did it show you? What else did you see? <sighs> I saw the light. A blazing, searing pain. The nightmare, the prison, everything you said, and so much more. The ancients, the eternal battle, the eternal scar, the age of darkness, the, the treasure, the book. It's beyond one final door, a final test and familiar sacrifice. Boris was right. <laughs> How could I have been so goddamn blind my whole life? And here it is. <laughs> the treasure exists. And this is it. You will be illuminated. You will go forth. And you will go alone. No, no. So don't! In one smooth line, she pulled her own long dagger out, one fitting an unlawful bounty hunter's arsenal, and slit her own throat. Thank you, Dono. You've shown me the greatest treasure. I'm awake now. I surround myself with death and darkness in order to serve as the light. A 
Must I be the one to cast shadows and banish the prisoner from behind his own bars? Is... Is this the price of illumination? Is this the price I must pay to dream? Miss Hazel... Miss Renault must not, would not, die alone. Just as the Lieutenants Barasanzi Flick and Victor Levins and Thatch of the Finalian Royal Guard did not die alone. Their bodies were claimed by pain, but released into the light. I rushed to catch Hazel's final moments in my open hands, but they sifted away like the ever-flowing sands of time. <laughs> Donna, you call me Hazel. It's true, there was something in her skills. Maybe it was her oddly convenient yet purposeful manner of dress. Or her speech. There was always something, Miss Hazel. Always something that brought down my wall of formality in our last hour together. You were a friend. And I'll never forget the steps you took to bring me face to face with destiny. I gently placed her body a foot away from Levi's and Boris's own, and lined them up and adorned them with bits of luminescent cave organisms, glowing flowers, and shiny stones. I don't know why I did this. It's not normal. It's an ancient tribal custom I've only read about in theorized about in my research papers. But it fits so well. Every petal a tribute to these lives. Uh, perhaps it was my last action as a truly free human being. As a soul. To give them as close to a proper burial as possible in this death trap. The blackness of the hallway before me quickly flooded over the glowing oranges and teals of that lava trap platform. I followed the singular shine of that deadly shard like a compass pointing a lost sailor to home. But if Hazel's own prophetic vision was true, the magnetic pull of this earth was leading me straight to one final death trap. One final test. One final <laughs> sacrifice. This is not real. This is not real. Heart. I seek the light of the dream. You seek. I seek the cure, and I know you have it. I know it well. In order for this nightmare to exist, the dream must exist. I wish to serve it to the people. You fool. 
it must be taken. Then let me take it. Who are you? Must I continue to talk to darkness? Show yourself. Refuse into dark. Open your eyes. The path will Then will you give me the power to share the dream? In order for there to be life, there must first be death. lava trap room. I was holding the shard. The ring of lava that surrounded the platform had completely flowed away. The glowing organisms all around the walls and floor and ceiling of this cavern had completely faded, leaving only the single light source from a bright red shard. A knife. Now completely smothered in the blood of three. The entire room. Red cold. Three bodies laid around me, forming a perfect equilateral triangle, with their corpses heading the points. Lieutenant Boris Hansi Flick, 60 degrees to my right back shoulder, his body intact. Lieutenant Victor Levinson Thatch, 60 degrees behind to my left, intact. Head pointed out, and directly in front of me, the lifeless body of my own friend, Hazel. It was clear now. I had removed these three from existence. Their connection to the dream was far too strong. They would not be able to handle it. The nightmare. They would have killed each other in zealous rage. <laughs> Said, <laughs> I, I, I killed them. I did. The shard had given me a second chance, and I severed their connection before they knew too much. <laughs> before they could sever it themselves, I, I killed them. It was the only. I know your name. I see it. I call upon you now. And I know you listen. You are just beyond this door, are you not? You are the keeper of the eternal tome of knowledge, the book which houses the final resting dream of Mondrea. The final pure dream. What, you do not speak? Surely you must know that I have seen what you see. I alone was given the chance to gaze through your eyes. I know your pain. 
I know your prison, your darkness, your infernal pain and banishment. I know of this dream, your dream. And I know the door was locked, and I know you could not open it. But I possess the key. <laughs> Still you say silent, I am the damn key! I flung my left arm forth without remorse. Just as Barris had done before in some far-off glimpse of what could have been, I too would succumb to the wall of Inferno and engage in the final sacrifice. I could feel the shard lift a bit, shift ever so slightly, and slide perfectly through the ancient mechanism to its true resting place. Every point, groove, knot, and edge aligned perfectly. It was made for this. I was made for this. Whatever being that created this device, crafted this torture chamber a thousand years ago, knew exactly what they were doing. It was indeed the perfect pressure point for an enchanted ancient spear tip made of pure aged Lunaeanite to be inserted and promptly broken off fully singed within a cooling wall of igneous rock, thus preventing any possible unlocking and reopening. Boris failed. He released too soon. But I knew the truth of what the ancients were hiding. I knew it would be worth exchanging parts of my humanly vessel for the power beyond. Again, I speak your name. Aurelio! This part is hard to remember. I can remember it, it just, it just hurts. As if a shot of steaming pain completely numbed my senses and memory and surrounded me in a hazy veil. Perhaps these voices didn't exist at all. If they did, I, I could not respond or argue their points. I could only keep gripping the key from within and allow my entire arm no to be encapsulated and immovable. What the hell? Step back! You fool! Out of the rift at once! No! That voice. The woman's. I know it. It recalls pain and torture to my mind. This was the voice from that waking night- My waking nightmare! She was the one who removed me from existence and banished me to the darkest, deepest chambers of subterranea. No. Ah, but try as I might to this day, I cannot recall its exact tone, its razoring melody. Perhaps if she spoke to me now, I would know. 
beyond doubt who she was, who she is, who I must destroy. We must not trigger another displacement. At last, the wall of liquid fire had arrived to consume me and rid me of these voices, this wasted vessel. As expected, my arm was completely severed. The bird was a certain bliss, transcendent almost. The fire had spread to my chest and burned a hole straight through my vest and shirt, which I quickly tore off with my free hand, exposing my burning bone. My ribs, my lungs, my muscle easily melted into the magma. I couldn't inhale, I couldn't exhale the smoke. The bone was just a bit more challenging, but sure enough, ashes were forming. The thing I remember most was the smell. Our brains must be hardwired to not accept charred human flesh as acceptable. The backsplash from the initial fall claimed some of my right leg, some of my stomach, my neck. Where the previous attempt had failed, I would not. I'm not letting go of this key. I was still breathing, though it was shallow as a puddle on a spring rain. Rain. Is it as false or as impure as this nightmare? Smoke. Fill my lungs. Are you true? I could breathe. I was too numb to scream, but as I stole a few hits of this cavern air, then came the real pain. Uh, you're not leaving here with that you bastard. It felt like a hand of fire with the touch of ice. Something through the door like a breach or dimensional window took hold of my right cheek, ear, and eye, and ripped. This sting was unlike the solid burn and cauterized molten lavas of grace. No, instead it was like a hail of shot to my eye, my face, my pores being shred open in a split second. Instead of a point-blank shot from directly before, this voice had taken a shot from directly within and ripped through piece of my eyelid, brow, cheek, and jaw muscle. Fragments of my eye were flung across the room. Some of it landed in the flow of lava, which was slowly coming to a dripping end, but my face landed on the corpses of my crew behind me. My left half remained so I could still wince at its hurt. Stop, please. I've tried this before. It is folly. We are not here to unsettle the stream. We are here to learn. We must leave. You damn fool. I took one deep breath and closed my last eyelid tight as what remained of my earthly body crumbled all around me. I could still move. I finished. This relentless wall of fire relinquished control and announced me as victor and proper entrant. The door was open and I could still move. I thought I could still move. My final steps diminished to 
into a crawl. Every fiber of my being was devoured by a cleansing fire. With my remaining hand, I could only reach out, but I could not reach the book upon its pedestal in this prison of shadow. I could only reach the key, and with it I touched the edge. Aurelio, wake up. Aurelio, wake up, damn you. The dream is... Enjoying the show? If anything stood out to you at all, or made your jaw drop, or made you say, wow, I'd love to hear it. 
The only way I can truly know if anyone's out there is if you leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app and you share it with your friends using hashtag Mondrea Memories. Noteworthy reviews, posts, tweets, mentions will get special recognition from me. Oh, and speaking of special recognition, the exclusive Mondrea Memories holographic sticker offer is only available for a few more weeks or until I run out. A single stack of 100 holographic stickers were made and specially reserved for new patrons at patreon.com slash jetfalco. And the first 50 patrons get a bonus Donovan sticker. Support the show and get your own sticker pack now. And yeah, thanks for everything you do to keep the dream alive. Here's a bonus memory before we go. See you soon. Twenty days have passed, my king. And less than ten remain before our final battle. You've proven yourself, General Torshon. Please, sire, call me Evie. Hmm. In the past three weeks, you've expanded and strengthened our forces by land, sea, and air. You've kept your word, Evie. And all because your first choice of generals abandoned the battle, like the coward he is. Yes. As adverse as that may be, you did not let the loss of your former general weigh you down in your time as leader of our forces. No need to sugarcoat this, King Brantley. I know you had other... ideas in mind. I'm well aware of the plans you and Lennox had to subvert this great army's battle. A battle that would no doubt lead to our defeat had you gone with Lennox's faulty scheme. Scheme? General. Surely an accusation doesn't adumbrate such headstrong words. Of course not. No need to accuse someone of the truth. Lieutenants, you may enter. My lord. My king. Two of yours, Evie. Indeed. May I introduce to you Finalian King, Lieutenant Victor Levinson Thatch, First Mark Five Star, and Lieutenant Barasanzi Flick, First Mark Three Star. Um... Barris, you may stop bowing now. Yes, General. Stand up straight. The King's eyes are on you. And why, pray tell, have you As my final order as captain, I sent these two on a covert op to follow your previous choice of general. Without my knowledge. And forgive us, my liege, rightly so. Thatch and Flick were to simply keep tabs on Donovan as he moved about the grounds and prepared in these thirty days. Unbeknownst to us all, he was not following orders. Please. Explain yourselves. Boys, take it away. He, I, well, well he uh, was, he, but yeah, then we, he, he the, I, I, we, he, he, you, I, he, you want to go? You know what? You got this. <clears throat> Me lord, mm. I was told to keep eyes on the target, the newly appointed General Donovan Lennox, by my commanding officer. You may know her. Captain, oh, sorry, General 
Yes, we know this part. Get to the good part, <clears throat> Barks. <clears throat> right. Sorry, sire. Um, it's an honor to be in your graces, my lord. <clears throat> so, since day one of his appointment as general, Levi and I had witnessed many violations of the Finalian law upon his part and actions, including, but not limited to, the following. Abandonment of post, smuggling of contraband and illegal possession of several key resources, cohorting with rogue elements, vagrant trespassing into ancient grounds, anarchy, vandalism, violence, piracy, and conspiring to overthrow leadership. Hmm. You seem not as surprised as we thought you'd be. Yeah, wait till we tell you why Lennox was messing around. The three of you have done well. Wait, you knew about this? You know about the dream? Did you- Actually, order Lennox on this wild goose You are all overstepping your bounds. Please, return to your quarters no, and allow wait. me to- hold on a second, Brantley. Um, uh, your highness. What the hell are you hiding? You could not possibly begin to fathom what's at stake here. Well then, I knew it. I fucking knew it. Why don't you enlighten us, our grand finalian king? I'll excuse you along with that tone, General, before I order you out. No, I'm not going anywhere. You've had other plans with Donovan, haven't you? These guys were right to follow him and uncover yours and his little secrets. You seem to think some grand return of the dream will win you this war? (sighs) This dream. It shall win us peace. It will win us all peace. Peace? Gods! That dream of peace died a thousand years ago, along with the last fools lucky enough to enjoy Please that Please escort luxury. these three to their quarters. You actually think Donovan's capable of resurrecting a dead promise? No dream exists that can defeat our enemies. Only bullet and blade, Brantley. You'll see. My army will be triumphant through bullet and blade. Mm. Bullet and blade. There will be no battle, Evie. No bullets. No blade. Copyright 2020. DreamersEcho.com Creative Commons Attribution License Non-Commercial No Derivatives